The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today I'm honored to welcome my guest, Dr. Michael D. Lewis. He is the president and founder of the nonprofit Brain Health Education and Research Institute based in Potomac, Maryland. He is an expert on nutritional interventions for brain health, especially the use of omega-3 fatty acids for the prevention, management, and rehabilitation of concussions and traumatic brain injury. He founded the Brain Health Education and Research Center in late 2011 upon retiring as a colonel after a distinguished 31-year career in the U.S. Army. His pioneering work in the military and since then has helped thousands of people around the world. Dr. Lewis has an impressive resume. He's a graduate of the U.S. Military Academy at West Point and Tulane University School of Medicine. He is board certified and a fellow of the American College of Preventive Medicine and the American College of Nutrition. He completed postgraduate training at Walter Reed Army Medical Center, Johns Hopkins University, and the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research. He is a consultant to both the U.S. Army and Navy, as well as several organizations, institutes, and nutrition companies around the world. In addition, he is a founding member of the Pop Warner Youth Football Medical Advisory Board. I heard Dr. Lewis speak several years ago at the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics annual meeting and thought his groundbreaking work truly needed further application. Welcome, Dr. Lewis. Uh, It's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, you know, not many physicians have good groundwork in nutrition, and I am just wondering where you received nutrition education and how you began applying it to your medical work. (laughs) Well, I basically had to do a lot of the work myself. I was doing general practice at the Pentagon, and I had some patients that came in with some interesting questions about supplements and such. And rather than just blowing them off, I said, you know, I, I need to teach myself about this. And I kind of just dove into it. And it took off from there. And the concept of actually using, like, targeted nutrition, in particular omega-3s, for uh, head injury kind of came out of my time later on, about 10, 12 years ago, stationed at Walter Reed now there's two wars going on and we have wounded warriors and you start to think, what is it that I can do to help these soldiers and, and Marines and so on recover better or faster after a head injury? And I went back to that nutrition concept. Yeah. Well, I have to say that your slides, even though I saw them several years ago, have made a true mark in my memory. There were horrific pictures and I'm sure you didn't show us the worst of the worst, but there were horrific images of young men who sustained traumatic brain injury. And your intervention with omega-3 fatty acids truly made a difference. Tell me something. How is it that these particular fatty acids are so instrumental in healing and rehabilitation? Well, because I didn't really have hardly any 
formal training in nutrition, although in graduate work at Johns Hopkins, I did take one nutrition class, but that was, that was kind of like the extent of it. Right. And that was only because I chose to take it. And so the brain's made of fat, and I kind of looked at it as I call it my brick wall analogy. You know, if you have a brick wall and it gets damaged, don't you want to use bricks to repair the wall? Well, the brain's made of fat. So if the brain gets damaged, wouldn't we want to use fat to repair the brain with what it was made of? And we have a number of different types of fat. Cholesterol is really important. Omega-6 types of fats are really important. Omega-3 types of fats are really important. But... The problem is, as a society, as a culture, we're way deficient in the omega-3 side of things. And you have to understand the omega-6s, the downstream effect of the omega-6s generally promote inflammation, and omega-3s resolve the inflammation, and you need a balance. And we're just no longer in balance anymore, so... I the idea of let's hit the omega-3 side hard and fast, and hopefully that will help repair the brain. And the great part of it is the added side effects that happen very quickly is the brain fog gets lifted and energy levels start to come up and you start to think clearer and function better. Mm-hmm. What's so interesting to me is I think we have to explain to our listeners why we are largely deficient in omega-3 fatty acids in our society And that largely comes from the fact that we eat such a highly processed diet and a lot of corn oil has replaced many of the other types of fats in our diets. And I remember interviewing a woman years ago who studied the different fatty acids. And she said, you know, when we had cattle grazing on grass and not having all of these corn supplements, they had a higher amount of omega-3 in their muscle tissue. And if we think about all the processed food in our diet and all of the cattle that are largely finished on corn, we can see how we would have that imbalance. And I don't know about you, of course, you live near the coast, but living in the Midwest, what I find with a lot of my clients is that there isn't a big enjoyment factor when it comes to fish, or maybe their biggest exposure to fish might be the fish sticks at McDonald's or at another fast food restaurant. So Getting dietary omega-3 fatty acids is not easy. No, it really isn't. And for some of the reasons that you talked about, other people, there's some of the original researchers like Bill Lands, for example, he would say that we don't have an omega-3 problem. We have an omega-6 problem Mm -hmm. because we have too many omega-6s in our diet that promote inflammation. And omega-6s, as you you alluded to, come from more, actually more important than corn is even, is soy. Soy has 16, 18 times the amount of soy oil in, in our food supply than there is corn, believe it or not, because it's in everything. It's stable, it's easy to grow. And so we process foods with soy because it keeps it shelf stable. We can ship it around the world. And the animal feed is soy and corn and, and so on. So Bill Lands and others would say the problem is we have too many omega-6s. Our omega-3 intake hasn't really dropped off that much as a society. It has, but not that much, not anywhere like the amount of omega-6s. So that fight between inflammation and resolving the inflammation is no longer a fair fight anymore. The omega-6s are winning out 25, 30 to 1, Mm -hmm. and they were meant to be an even match. I think that's a really good way of looking at that. 
imbalance that we have is that we just have so many more omega-6s than we need. Well, let's go back to your first involvement with regard to brain injury. Because when I first started learning about omega-3s, of course, it was in light of heart disease and preventing heart disease, especially death from second heart attacks. But now we see, oh, wait, we could also be using them to help heal brain injuries. And there are different points of intervention. So you've got day one when the patient presents at the ER with the brain injury. And then you've got years down the road. And I believe in preparing for my interview with you today, I did listen to some of your past podcasts where you explained that you were working with retired football players and still seeing a benefit with supplementing even way post-concussion. Absolutely. And so you know, one time early on, one person asked me, if I'm talking about doing omega-3s as soon as possible after an injury, why not before the injury? And yeah. that actually was a great concept, is the idea of can we use omega-3s to help decrease the risk or even prevent head injuries from occurring? And the answer is yes. You know, there's a few studies out there that have explored this concept, particularly in 2014, Texas Christian University, TCU in Dallas or Fort Worth. They looked at it with their football team and showed that they could decrease the amount of concussions and decrease the biomarkers associated with football and head injuries and so on. And so there's lots of great opportunities to intervene. And I always tell patients it's never too late. I've dealt with people that have had severe car accidents 16, 18 years prior, as well as Hall of Fame football players that hadn't played football. You know, they're in their 60s or 70s. They obviously hadn't played football in 30-plus years. Mm. You know what surprises me is just how common traumatic brain injury is. In my preparation for my interview with you today, I checked with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to get some statistics on traumatic brain injury and concussion. And what I found is that in 2014, which is the latest date that they have statistics, about 2.87 million traumatic brain injury-related emergency department visits, hospitalizations, and deaths occurred in the United States, including over 837,000 of these health events among children. So even though we see heart disease and cancer as being those types of illnesses are always in the headlines, we probably should be talking about preventing traumatic brain injury a lot more than we are. Some people will say they look at the spotlight being on the NFL, for example, and I see that actually in the last 10 years as being a really positive thing, not a negative thing at all. And I think that it has raised awareness compared to 10, 15 years ago, and that's a really good thing. I would also say two other things. One is the statistics you quoted from the CDC, that's for people that actually go to the emergency room and are captured by the data systems. Right. If you go to your primary care doctor, your pediatrician, or don't go anywhere, you know, you just shake it off and you go home, those numbers aren't being captured. So the number can be easily two or three times greater than what's reported by the CDC. They're only capturing data that's actually there. Right. Well, I want to talk about the Omega-3 protocol, which you have available online 
for people who are interested, and I will give our listeners the website and I'll post it along with this interview. It's simply www.brainhealtheducation.org. And for prevention, we should probably talk about how much are we talking about with regard to supplements or from food sources? How much should we be ingesting, in your opinion? Well, the FDA tells us 3,000 milligrams of the actual omega-3s, not just fish oil, but the omega-3s, EPA and DHA, that what they call generally recognized as safe, level would be 3,000 milligrams. So in today's new concentrates, if you think about gel caps and, and so on, we're actually now getting 1,000 milligrams of EPA and DHA in a single gel cap. And so 3,000 is only three capsules. And so I know that most people are terribly deficient in omega-3s, and you need to overcome that omega-6 situation. So I generally point people to that 3,000 milligrams or three capsules every day in a prevention mode. I let my son play high school football. He was the running back on the football team. And then the last two years, he started playing rugby and plays rugby in college. But he doesn't leave the breakfast table every single day without taking 3,000 milligrams of omega-3s. And I see that as putting the odds in his favor that he is not going to get a head injury, which he so far, thankfully, hasn't. And whether it's heart health or brain health or concerned about Alzheimer's that runs in your family or dementia, or you're just concerned about those senior moments, it's not a bad thing to be taking this on a regular basis, not just for your heart, but for your brain. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, let me take one break since we're halfway through and just remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you are tuned into Food Sleuth Radio, and we are talking about omega-3 fatty acids and brain health with Dr. Michael Lewis. And I failed to mention in the intro that you are the author of a book titled When Brains Collide, What Every Athlete and Parent Should Know About the Prevention and Treatment of Concussions and Head Injuries, and it's available. You've also got a Kindle edition. So let's get back to that omega-3 protocol. So we talked about the preventive dose as being about 3,000 milligrams or 3 grams of combined EPA and DHA per day. Now let's say, heaven forbid, somebody is in an auto accident or they have a brain injury related to a football injury or a bicycle accident. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, our wounded warriors suffer from brain injuries. How much fish oil should we start administering after a brain injury? Well, knowing that most people are deficient in omega-3s and we have to overcome that omega-6 situation, there's two things that we can do. One is decrease the omega-6s if you can, and that's going to take months or even years. Somebody that's had a head injury, you're not going to want to wait years to make a difference. So while you're trying to make an improvement in your diet and decrease the omega-6s as much as possible, the idea is how do we load up on omega-3s as quickly as possible? We know that if you take a regular daily dose, it takes about three months to reach that saturation point where you loaded up your tank. But most people don't want to wait three months to really make a difference. So I look at it as a loading dose. So I triple that. I say take that 3,000 milligrams and take it at breakfast, lunch, and dinner three times a day, 9,000 milligrams or nine grams a day 
for at least the first couple of days. If it's an injury that happened this morning or yesterday, take it for at least a couple of days, preferably a week before you start to drift down to maybe twice a day and then once a day. For people that have been suffering for weeks or months or years or decades, then you might want to be taking it for longer. You might want to take that higher dose for an entire month because we want to get to that saturation point as quickly as possible. And taking something in capsule form, it's going to take a while to accumulate. Mm -hmm. So let's say someone is in a car accident or ends up in the emergency room and they can't eat and they're given IV fluids, and they're given a nasogastric tube with tube feeding. How many of those tube feeding formulas have higher levels of omega-3 to help the brain-injured patient? Very few, and they're not cheap. And so, of course, the hospitals are going to go with the lowest bidder and the cheapest formulation. They're looking at calories. They're not looking at the quality of what they're feeding their unconscious or comatose patients. And while there are some formulations out there, they're not widely used, even though the Society for Critical Care Medicine, for example, advocates that in head injuries, that immune-enhancing formulations should be used, including ones that have omega-3s. I take a different approach. Instead of trying to put it in the feeding bag to drip down to feed the patient, let's treat it a little more like a drug. Let's put it in a syringe, draw up a liquid in a syringe, and push it down the feeding tube, and then start the feed. Don't add it to the feed, but push it down the feeding tube. And, you know, with the better concentrates available in the market in liquid form, we're only talking about a tablespoon twice a day, 30 mLs, milliliters, twice a day. That's it. One tablespoon twice a day provides a huge amount of omega-3s with a good quality formulation. I hope that you are speaking at many emergency medicine conferences so that this type of therapy can be instituted on a protocol kind of basis. Well, unfortunately, every time I try to submit an abstract to a, a mainstream sports medicine or neurology conference or similar, they usually get rejected. It's Doctors don't understand nutrition. They they want to push it off on the dietitians. Like, well, you know, I'm a doctor. I don't need to know that. That's what the dietitians do. But before we had antibiotics, you know, before we had all these miracle drugs, it was nutrition. I mean, something as common as tuberculosis 100, 200 years ago. We only had uh, cod liver oil was actually the only treatment that we had for tuberculosis to support the immune system with vitamin A and vitamin D and the omega-3s. So we've kind of forgot that in this golden age of pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Well, it's so important to work as a team. And unfortunately, dietitians don't often get involved, especially at that critical care level until much later on, if at all, because of insurance reimbursements. So we have to work together to correct this problem. And it's one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on today, just to raise awareness. Now, we know the benefits of fish oil. We've heard a lot about them, certainly, as I mentioned earlier, about it slows the progression of atherosclerosis, for example. But I also want to talk about pecans of fish oil, because 
You know, I think as much as we often talk about the good things about supplements, maybe sometimes we leave off the, well, what are the concerns? What do I need to be aware of? And one of the things that I found in my internet search had to do with blood thinning. So if you've got a patient who's had a traumatic injury, brain and otherwise, and maybe there's some bleeding risk, are you concerned at all about administering fish oil? It's interesting. There's a couple of really good studies that showed that pharmaceutical blood thinning medications like heparin, so any patient that's flat on a bed, unconscious, and not going to be moving for a while, we generally give them very potent anti-clotting agents such as heparin. And there's at least one study that I can recall not too long ago that showed using heparin in the emergency setting of a traumatic brain injury actually decreased mortality and improved the outcomes, which is the complete opposite of what you would think. And it doesn't surprise me, but I think that most doctors don't know that or are not aware of that particular research. But heparin or these pharmaceutical blood thinners, as you call them, or anti-clotting agents, they don't do anything to help the repair process. All they do is keep platelets from clotting, while really, really high doses of fish oil has a similar effect where it keeps platelets from clotting. The benefits of fish oil, the omega-3s, on helping the brain repair itself, helping decrease the inflammation that's going on, helping create new synapses, say it's like a Waze or Google Maps navigating around the traffic. There's a roadblock here. We're going to navigate around it. That's what our brain has to try to figure it out. And omega-3s help with that where pharmaceutical blood thinners don't do any of that. And so one of the questions always comes up is patient taking blood thinners, they can't take fish oil. Well, the answer should be take the fish oil and decrease, based on your blood work, decrease the blood thinners. Don't decrease the fish oil, the thing that's helping. Decrease the blood thinners to get it in the parameters that your physician should be following. Yeah, that's really good advice. Okay, another concern. I should just let our listeners know that these concerns come from Duke University. One of them is that it could lower blood pressure. So for people with existing low blood pressure or those taking blood pressure medication, just a heads up that fish oil could have a lowering effect. What are your thoughts on that? One of the things that omega-3s do is they work on the what's called the endothelium, the lining of blood vessels, to help relax. It works with the nitric oxide pathways. That's one of the many different ways that it works. It also works through our cannabinoid system to help relax our anxiety and, and cognitive issues. And so all these things could lead to if you're more relaxed and your blood vessels are a little bit more open, that's going to lead to lower blood pressure. And normally that's a really good thing. It helps, for example, in brain injury, can help get blood flow to parts of the brain that haven't been seeing regular blood flow and nutrients and oxygen for a while. And once you start doing that, it can help speed up the recovery, just like exercise for brain injury, for concussions. We're now learning that exercise is actually very important after a head injury, aerobic type exercise, just to get blood flow back going to the brain, helps the brain heal faster. This is great. 
All right. I want to talk about some of your blog posts that you've made available on www.brainhealtheducation.org. You've got a wonderful series of articles and one that piqued my interest. You posted it this spring, Teenage Concussions and Traumatic Brain Injury Linked to Suicide. And I wonder if you could talk about the link between traumatic brain injury, suicide, and how fish oil could help prevent further disaster. Well, interestingly enough, the first study that I participated in and actually led when I had this concept when I was in the Army and stationed at Walter Reed was the idea of, actually, I was talking with a psychiatrist friend of mine who works at the NIH, and he said to me one time, if we could just draw blood on people before they commit suicide, we could answer this question. And I'm like, well, that's easy. You know, in the military, we draw blood all the time, and actually little bits of it gets frozen and saved in a, there's like over 50 million specimens saved in a freezer in Silver Spring, Maryland, and with all the data behind it. So we looked at that and we showed that suicides compared to very well-matched controls, that people who committed suicide had significantly lower omega-3 blood levels. And in fact, we calculated it out to be there was a 62% increased risk of suicide with low omega-3 levels. So it's something you could, you could change at least that risk factor for pennies a day. Exactly. Are there any particular fish oil supplements for those individuals who don't eat fish for whatever reason? Do you have some favorite supplements that you feel free to recommend? When it comes to these things, I usually look at who are the industry leaders and why are they in the industry leaders. And so if you look at the last 20 years, everybody wants to compare themselves to Nordic Naturals. Right. And for good reason, because they've been the leader in both quality and retail sales. But there's other ones out there. Carlson's and Wiley's Finest are good, you know, pure encapsulations, designs for health. But I always look at, they're always comparing themselves to Nordic Naturals, who's led the market for the last 20 years. I'd say the same thing with hemp CBD supplements, is who are the industry leaders? And it's really Plus CBD Oil from CB Sciences and Charlotte's Web from CW Hemp. They're the ones that have been leading the industry for the last 5, 10 years. That's good to know. We just have a minute left. Is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? I would just say uh, a lot of this information I put into the book, When Brains Collide, uh, available on Amazon, and would urge your listeners, you never know who's going to get a concussion, whether it's you or one of your kids or a neighbor or a friend. So be proactive. Get the book, When Brains Collide, and leave a good review on there. If you don't like the book, just tell me. (laughs) Well, I'm really grateful. I think it's so important, the information that you've shared with me today but also the information that you've shared online and your many articles. And our listeners can easily access the Omega-3 protocol and all of the information that you have. And I'm truly grateful for your time today. In closing, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. I want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Most of all, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Michael D. Lewis. The website, again, for that, for the, to find the Omega-3 protocol, you're going to find that at www.brainhealtheducation.org. 
I also want to recommend your book, which you just mentioned, When Brains Collide, What Every Athlete and Parent Should Know About the Prevention and Treatment of Concussions and Head Injuries. It's available on Amazon. It's also available in a Kindle edition. What I like to do is recommend that libraries order books so that they become available to even more people that way. And just to remind our listeners that Dr. Lewis is the president and founder of the Brain Health Education and Research Institute based in Potomac, Maryland, and he is an expert on the nutritional interventions for brain health, particularly the use of omega-3 fatty acids for the prevention, management, and rehabilitation of concussions and traumatic brain injury. Thank you so much, Dr. Lewis, for spending time with me today. Oh, my pleasure. I'd love to do it again sometime soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you.